0: On last week's episode, we discussed new opportunities in the future of manufacturing in a more connected future. We heard from Irene Petrick, Senior Director of Industrial Innovation in the Internet of Things Group at Intel, Pat McCusker, CEO of Fast Radius, a company which is using 3D printing on an industrial scale to reimagine the supply chain, and Sean Peterson, founder of Strongarm Technologies, a company using data to help improve worker safety. One of the world's oldest and most established industries is still changing and innovating, day after day. In our ever more connected future, the way we cultivate our crops and livestock is modernizing and becoming more and more precise. The next generation of wireless innovation with future 5G networks will create new opportunities for more efficient farming and irrigation techniques with new ways to gather and process data straight from the field. Thanks to support from T-Mobile for Business, Today, we'll explore how advancements in 5G connectivity will enable innovations in the agriculture industry that could shape the future of farming.
1: Unlocking the ability of farmers to make real-time decisions is really what makes the difference. It's great that you could see what you should have done a week later but it's really, truly magical when you can make that decision while there's an opportunity to still change whatever you need to change to improve your practices or your decisions. That's Julian Sanchez. He's director of
0: precision agriculture for the Intelligence Solutions Group at John Deere, which is one of the largest manufacturers of agricultural equipment in the world. Essentially, Julian's job is to leverage new technology, including 5G and AI, to make farming faster
1: and more efficient. But what exactly is precision agriculture? If you had a farmer that decided, I'm going to just grow one plant and I'm going to dedicate all of my resources at maximizing the yield, the output of that one plant, I can guarantee you that plant would do quite well. So just imagine this farmer putting that plant in the best possible conditions, giving it just the right nutrients and the right fertilizers, and putting the seed in the ground exactly on the day when it would maximize the amount of sun that plant would get throughout the growing season. The objective of precision agriculture is to try to enable farmers to farm hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of acres with that same mentality precision agriculture is providing farmers with the technology and the tools to allow them to do micromanagement at scale, where they're able to make the best possible decisions that maximize the output of each individual plant.
0: In other words, the goal of precision farming is to allow farmers to give crops individual attention at scale. And this can help better manage resources like water and minimize the use of pesticides and fertilizers,
1: and of course, create more value. You have a business that sometimes has pressures of... uh external pressures, whether it be weather, whether it be availability of labor, whether it be trade. And so a farmer is always looking to make improvements to maximize their margins and improve their productivity. When we look at technologies like 5G coming down the pipeline, the increased bandwidth and the lower latencies have tremendous opportunities to unlock value and the types of solutions that could be then rolled out into market and put in the hands of farmers. The value that Julian mentions is all about better understanding
0: how to optimise the food we grow. Modern-day farming already involves the use of computers, algorithms and technology just as much as it does tractors and soil. But as wireless networks become faster and the infrastructure reaches further, as with the promise of future 5G networks, we can expect the agricultural industry to become even more precise and efficient. In this episode, we'll dive into the world of precision farming, take a look at how sensors and robotics can be used in the field, and discuss how greater connectivity could transform one of the world's oldest industries. I'm Oz Veloshian. This is This Time Tomorrow. So, Cara, before this series, when I thought about farming, technology wasn't the first place my mind would go.
2: Oh, really? Because I think tractors are the original Teslas.
0: <laughs> Actually, you're right. <laughs> um, and in the very first episode of This Time Tomorrow... We spoke to Durga Maladi of Qualcomm, and he said that agriculture is an area that he's most excited about 5G transforming.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, there's just so much data to collect from farms. You know, first of all, they often span huge geographical areas. And there are all kinds of equipment needed to tend to crops. You know, tractors, combine harvesters, irrigation systems. Mm -hmm. I know a lot about this. You do. (laughs) (laughs) And the promise of future 5G networks is all about gathering data from more sources, combining it, analyzing it, and making recommendations in real time. We've looked at everything from fashion to auto to manufacturing, and there's absolutely no reason that agriculture should be any different.
0: Right. We've covered all those topics on This Time Tomorrow, and this is... Sadly, our last episode of this season, Mm. um, one of the big challenges in 5G, though, is access. Farmlands are often very large and sparsely populated, which has made it challenging to network them. Some people believe 5G could actually play a role, though, in solving that. Late last year, the FCC announced a $9 billion fund for 5G development in rural areas. The chairman said, We must ensure that 5G narrows rather than widens the digital divide. And that rural Americans receive the benefits that come from wireless innovation. And actually, a billion dollars of that fund has been earmarked specifically for precision agriculture.
2: I'm a New Yorker, so I've never actually seen a real farm before. (laughs) (laughs) But no, in all seriousness, precision farming was a new concept for me. But it actually reminds me of many other topics we've discussed on this show. Data and higher bandwidth could allow for unprecedented specificity in manufacturing, in the automobile industry. And in this episode, I spoke with a guy named Kirk Stevie, who is a farmer in western Minnesota and also an engineer. Busy guy. He is. And Kirk is working with Series Imaging, a company that uses aerial photos and videos to provide farmers with information like whether or not a plant has been watered enough and if it's at risk for developing a disease.
0: You mentioned tractors and Teslas. Since tractors, the advancements in agricultural machinery are pretty amazing. And for this episode, I spoke with George Cantor, who is a robotics professor at Carnegie Mellon. And he and his team are building robots that work autonomously or semi autonomously on farms. Before we get to George, though, I want to go back to
1: Julian Sanchez of John Deere. There's something really, really exciting about agriculture. You know, ultimately, it's a space that at a, at a macro level, it matters, right? So all the crops being grown out there ultimately result in the food we eat. In some cases, they result in many of the products that are key to our society.
0: Ensuring that we have a productive and healthy food supply is essential, but so is protecting our environment. Many believe that incorporating technology can help the agricultural industry reduce its environmental footprint by being more efficient. And that's where collecting and analyzing data can play such an important
1: role. One of the things that John Deere has done in terms of rolling out tools and technologies that help farmers adopt and embrace this idea of precision agriculture is everything from putting the right sensors in the machines so that the machines can sense where each seed is being placed, how much fertilizer, how many nutrients are being applied to each plant. And then at the end of the season, also sends what the yield of your crops were And so putting all of those sensors in the machines, but then giving the farmers the ability to transmit all of that data to a platform where they can easily view it, they can easily analyze it, they can share that data with their trusted advisors, and then make better decisions for the next growing season.
0: We are in the age of big data, and agriculture is no exception. But in order to transmit that data, farmers need connectivity, which in rural areas is often lacking or
1: incomplete. So today, farmers will, in some cases, be on the phone with operators that are in the vehicles and saying, hey, what are you seeing right now? Is the vehicle performing the way it's supposed to? Are we seeing what we expected out of the crops? And essentially, in real time, sending instructions to operators about what to do. Today,
0: farmers share important data on the phone. Tomorrow, the promise of future 5G networks is to collect and share that data in real time, automatically and even directly to machines.
1: If we thought about a world in which you had in rural America full coverage with no dead spots that unlocked, you know, less than 1 second real-time connectivity that would have a tremendous impact on farmers. Farming is a real-time business where having the most recent data and when I say recent, yes, within the last 5 seconds of what is happening in a vehicle and what kind of performance you're getting out of the vehicle and doing the job, having that information at your fingertips in real time allows you to make the necessary adjustments that really ultimately impact your bottom line.
0: And with AI, some of these key decisions that need to take place in real time can be made without human input.
1: One of my um, my favorite examples is A harvesting combine is the vehicle you use to go through the field at the end of the season and harvest the crops. This is essentially a factory on wheels where conditions are changing literally by the second. It's a tremendously difficult job and our harvesting combines are equipped with uh, an artificial intelligence system that continuously takes images of the crop that is going through the machine as the machine tries to separate essentially the grain from the rest of the plant and you know just hold on to the grain it's using a convolutional neural network to make decisions as to whether the grain samples are the right quality and it's automatically making adjustments to this factory on wheels so that it can maintain its optimal performance
0: We've seen already on This Time Tomorrow how AI and 5G can come together to deliver on the promise of the Internet of Things, connected devices talking to one another as they monitor their environment to optimize decisions. This could be particularly useful for farmers because they're constantly dealing with highly variable processes
1: and environments. Farming is a domain where every inch of every field across the world Is different from the inch of field that's right next to it. It might be the soil that's different, it might be the topography, the micro topography of that field where the inch next to the other one gets a little bit less water. And so all of a sudden when you start looking at the opportunity in agriculture to try to get your arms around all of that variability and help farmers maximize how they do their job, what's exciting and the reason I wake up every morning is that I feel like despite the tremendous progress that has been made in the industry, we are really, really just at the beginning of the journey in unlocking all of that value.
0: And I was curious about how Julian is planning to leverage 5G to help execute
1: his vision of the future of farming. 5G is an infrastructure. If it can help reduce or hopefully eliminate some of the prevalent dark spots in connectivity, All of a sudden, you can really imagine having solutions that are truly trying to execute sort of coordinated logistics activities, coordinated semi-autonomous and fully autonomous operations in the field by leveraging low latency, high bandwidth 5G solutions. While that's possible right now, they exist in a, in a very localized manner because you cannot be relying on full coverage and, and connectivity to be able to transmit data through a cloud.
0: Garrett, does a factory on wheels that can readjust itself based on images that it's taking in real time impress you?
2: You know, Steven Spielberg made a movie, one of his first movies, I think, was about a truck that went, Wrong. <laughs> a bad a bad truck.
0: Well, hopefully these trucks will go right.
2: That's, exactly. I mean, that, I hope it's not that situation, but that's sort of what this reminds me of. But I also know, you know, much like having a warehouse in the cloud, yep. that these sort of things are the future in their given industries.
0: Absolutely. And the future is closer than we think. I mean, people often ask, how close are we to the robotics revolution? In many ways, it's already arrived. Robots are machines that make decisions for themselves. And that's exactly what Julian was describing with that combine harvester.
2: Yeah, and we know from some of our previous episodes that future 5G networks could really support the expansion of robotics. Because these moving robots will be able to connect to a network that allows for really fast processing.
0: Right. And despite all the machinery built by John Deere and others, farming remains one of the most labor-intensive industries in the world. There are so many tasks, like picking fruit to name just one, that rely on people. And according to a California Farm Bureau survey, I've also done my homework, more than 40% of farmers in the past five years have been unable to obtain all the workers they need for the production of their main crop. At the same time, growing populations and changing climate is putting new pressure on food production. And these are issues that George Cantor spends a lot of time thinking about.
3: First of all, everybody eats. So this touches everyone on the planet. When you look at the way food is produced now, we have several very serious challenges. The rate at which we are increasing yields is not high enough to meet the rate at which we are increasing people. Climate change is changing the way agricultural production is done. It's making some regions more productive. It's making other regions less productive. We're starting to grasp the implications of our sort of highly chemical-driven agricultural system. It's a very big, complicated problem. And I think technology can be part of the solution to that problem.
0: According to George, much of the solution relies on giving farmers better information.
3: The people who grow plants for a living, the more they know about the status of those plants, the better they can do at making decisions that help grow the plants. So for example, when to apply fertilizer, when to apply pesticide in a way that maximizes your crop growth, but at the same time minimizes the environmental impact that that decision might have.
0: George is a robotics researcher at Carnegie Mellon. Alongside better information, he is interested in giving farmers better tools to leverage it. He and his team are building robots designed to do jobs traditionally handled by people. And despite concerns about displacing labor, George believes this automation is necessary.
3: Some of the industries in the United States, like apples and grapes, rely heavily on manual labor. It's a terrible job. It's tedious. The environmental conditions are really rough. And they're just having a very difficult time finding people to do this work. And so they're very interested in automating some of the things that people do. Currently... They are difficult to automate because they require really intricate manipulation with the environment. You know, if you, if you pick an apple off a tree, you have to grab it just so, and you have to pull it off just so. Sometimes you have to reach around branches and push things out of the way. And robotics isn't to that state yet, but that's, that's where we're going. We're moving into manipulation, into touching plants, tackling problems like pruning and harvesting and weeding and things like that. That's been our holy grail for a while.
0: In order for robots to be able to accurately and effectively manipulate their environment, they need to be able to sense it, which is something George has been working on for more than a decade.
3: I'm interested in sensing the plants and inferring what their health is from whatever it is we can sense. We can never sense directly the things we want to sense. The things we really want to sense are things like what's going on inside the leaf or how is the water status in the stem? We can't sense those things directly. This process of taking things like camera images or local environmental readings or whatever it is we can measure and using that to infer what's going on inside the plant is, I think, really interesting. And we've been spending the last 15 years on the sensing side of things. Sensing and modeling, you you, you take measurements, and then you build up a model of what you're looking at and you reason about what's there. We've gotten really good at it, and so now it's time to build upon that and move into the actually reaching out and making the cut side of things. And that's why you know, we're moving into the manipulation in the agriculture space, for sure.
0: In George's vision, sensing and manipulation powered by data, connectivity, and processing come together to enable the vision for precision farming at scale and improve outcomes for farmers.
3: Some people consider precision farming as making decisions at the scale of blocks that are tens of acres. Some people consider precision farming to be making decisions at the scale of individual plants. But basically, it means tailoring your treatment to the specific environment and plant status at wherever it is you're applying that treatment. The old way, the non-precision way to farm is just to plant the same thing everywhere in the field and treat it the same way throughout the course of the growing season. But if you were to instead you know, take what you know about that field and break it up into smaller areas where you have different microclimates and maybe there's a different slope or the, the sun is coming in from a different direction and then adapt what you plant and how you treat it after you plant it based on those factors, then that becomes precision farming.
0: 5G capabilities are still improving, but the ability to connect to low latency, high bandwidth mobile internet could transform agriculture.
3: The flip side is that right now, a lot of the environments we work in, they don't even have any cellular at all. Forget about 4G or even 3G or even 1X, like they have nothing. And so if they're not going to cover those areas, then it's not going to have the impact that it could have. Without the connectivity, the things you can do, how far you can go with precision agriculture is limited. And the more you know about what's going on in the plants, the better you can grow stuff. The biggest barrier right now to getting that information is not sensing it. We've got great sensor technologies. It's transmitting it to wherever it needs to be. And so that's one thing that I think 5G has the potential to have a big impact on.
2: The future with 5G is coming. Today, T-Mobile is leading the 5G charge with $30 billion invested in their network to deliver new capabilities. Improved connectivity and true mobility provided by an advanced network from T-Mobile for Business could change the way we all live and work. The 5G era will take the best technologies available today in the wireless space so that you can offer new capabilities to your business customers. T-Mobile for Business knows that the future of business will be powered by advancements in wireless networks, with these new technologies opening the doors for better ways to get the job done. Business is changing. Learn more at T-Mobile dot com.
0: So Garrett, George underlined the importance of delivering 5G to rural areas, which in some cases don't even have 3G today. And policymakers and telcos are aware of that challenge and taking steps to address it. The other thing George mentioned that policymakers are thinking about, or should be thinking about, is how new technologies can change the labour market, in some cases, making certain kinds of jobs obsolete. Although, as George points out, many agricultural jobs are undesirable and difficult to fill.
2: Yeah, we can't think of technology in a vacuum, though. We need to think about the political and social consequences early on in the process of building this technology out. But on the other side of that, I think precision farming could change the lifestyle for farmers for the better by giving them the ability to keep eyes on their farm without having to literally walk in the field. You know, I spoke about this with Kirk Stevie, who is a farmer and researcher who recently took over his family
4: farm. I like to say I'm a, I'm part farmer and I'm part geek. I farm with my family in uh, western Minnesota. We run corn and soybeans. And um, also I work as a research scientist and precision agronomist. The geek part of Kirk works with a company based out of California called
2: Series Imaging that provides tools for precision farming. But he also spends a lot of time on his family farm.
4: I live four hours from the farm and so I usually go stay out there with my uncle, Mark and Aunt Becky that I farm with and stay for two, three weeks. And so when I'm out there, we're going hard. We're waking up before dawn and grabbing a bite to eat. And then we're going and jumping in the tractors to, uh, to plant or to harvest and putting in 16, 17, 18 hour days. We're planting beans, we're planting corn, dealing with fertilizer and machinery and so forth.
2: I was curious what has changed most since Kirk's grandfather ran the family farm.
4: What's really changed is every piece of equipment, it has a computer in it. And so for most modern farms, they have a a computer that's as powerful or more powerful than, you know, your regular desktop or laptop computer sitting right in a cab. And so you got to know a lot about computers, GPS, and, you know, tying some of that technology to your traditional machinery and what your classical farmers know and do well.
2: To succeed in agriculture, the traditional skills of farming that have been honed over thousands of years are not going anywhere. But what is changing is the ability to leverage new technologies like AI and 5G to augment those skills. In that sense, Kirk, the self-described part-geek, part-farmer, might be what the future looks like. As well as working on his family farm, Kirk is a remote-sensing scientist with Ceres Imaging, a company that specializes in providing high-quality aerial images of farms to inform decision-making.
4: I was integrating satellite data and imagery into the farming operation already, but looking for alternatives, and that led me to Ceres, where I was finding that they really had a science-driven product with next-gen technology that I wanted to integrate on the farm. Series cameras can see that water stress where an irrigation device is not functioning properly 14 days before you can see it with your eyes. At least. And so that allows the growers a chance to correct it and respond. Uh, They can get a sense if they're putting too much water on, not enough, or if there are issues. And so, really, it ties into conserving water, which is obviously outstanding, but obviously, it saves the grower money as well. Our cameras are custom built, so they're sensitive to different parts of the spectrum, Um, thermal imaging being one. When plants aren't having enough water put on them, and they start a defense mechanism where their stomata close up, and that heats up the canopy. And we can pick that up with our thermal cameras.
2: Stomata are tiny openings in the plant that allow for the intake of carbon dioxide and release of other vapors like water and oxygen. The human eye would be unable to see if these stomata were open or closed. But thermal imaging from above can trace their heat patterns and then indicate to a farmer that they need to water a specific patch of crops before it's too late. This is precision farming in action.
4: Certainly, growers, they're very accustomed to seeing that variability in the field. The tricky part is how do we quantify that very precisely and deliver it in a format to a tractor so it can act and do something with it? Uh, That's where we can show value. And so we have a network of pilots that have apps in the fields built right in. And so they'll have a flight plan that we've custom designed. And those pilots go up and execute and fly the fields based off the flight plan in this app, collect all the data and load it up to the cloud where it's kicked to our processing team on the backside out in California And then within 24 to 48 hours, the grower, the agronomist, what have you, they can view this imagery on their smartphones while they're walking the fields. And so it's very close to having instant access to broad-scale field data.
2: 24 to 48 hours may not seem like a long time, but to a crop needing water, it can make a huge difference. So one of the things that makes Kirk most excited about the future is the ability to collect, process, and serve that data to farmers in real time— This is something Kirk hopes 5G will make possible.
4: Right now, you know, we deliver our imagery just for even a visual observation if if a grower wants to look at it. Right now, with the existing network, even at that level, there are obstacles. You can't even see your data on a phone on many fields. And so if 5G was ubiquitous, I mean, that would mean instant access after the data is collected from your field. You know, you wouldn't have any issues. Not only could you look at it and make a qualitative decision about scouting, you could also obviously sync it up instantly with your equipment for action. And so when we have that more seamless and efficient loop, that's going to make it even better.
0: Available now from iHeart, a new series presented by T-Mobile for Business, The Restless Ones. Join host Jonathan Strickland as he explores the upcoming 5G revolution and the business leaders who stand right on the cutting edge. There are certain decision makers who are restless. They know there is a better way to get things done, and they're ready, curious, and excited for the next technological innovation to unlock their vision of the future. These Restless Ones are in pursuit of bigger, better, smarter, stronger. They seek new partners, new strategies, new processes. They pursue innovative platforms and solutions to propel their teams, businesses, and industries forward. In each episode, we'll learn more from the Restless Ones themselves and dive deep into how they think the 5G revolution could propel their business forward. The Restless Ones is now available on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to podcasts. So Cara, we live in a city, New York City, the Big Apple, Uh, and unless we're on the subway or in an elevator, we usually have some kind of access to a wireless network. But for rural America, where they grow the apples, it can be quite a different experience.
2: Yeah, there are areas that just don't have the infrastructure for mobile broadband. But 5G has such promising potential for agriculture, so it will be crucial to make sure it is widely deployed to allow for all the amazing future applications we have discussed in this episode.
0: Well, that wraps up this series of This Time Tomorrow.
2: It's been fun. It has. And it's a good way of thinking about the future.
0: It is. You brought up this concept of the adjacent possible in the first episode, and we spent the last eight episodes exploring what that might look like in all kinds of different industries. We started off in Silicon Valley with some researchers who were key to building the technology that underlies 5G. We spoke with a NASA scientist, local officials trying to improve their communities, researchers, roboticists, and of course, business leaders. And it's clear that although we don't know exactly when and how 5G will transform key industries, the next generation of wireless has the potential to be even more transformative than the jump from those old Nokia phones to our beloved smartphones.
2: Yeah, and as Paul Dillinger, who you'll remember is the head of global product innovation at Levi's, said in our episode on the future of retail, we don't know what the future will look like, but we know it will be different than today. And it will be really interesting to see how wireless networks change standards for businesses and consumers in the coming years, as 5G moves from the building phase to the here and now, as this time tomorrow becomes today.
0: We'll see you there.
2: This may be the end of season one, but we're not finished yet with this conversation. Stay tuned for us to pick up the conversation later this year with continued support from our friends at T-Mobile for Business. No matter what you're after, T-Mobile for Business is here with a network born mobile and built from the ground up for the next wave of innovation. From mobile broadband to IoT to workforce mobility and everything in between, T-Mobile for Business is committed to helping you move your business forward with the products and services you need, as well as the dedicated, award-winning customer service you'd expect from America's most loved wireless company. Business is changing. Learn more at T-MobileForBusiness.com.